Welcome back to Film Addiction, where we talk about the hugest and coolest films hitting the multiplex and available to watch on an app. From Northern California, I'm... uh, Will, are you okay? Uh, yeah. Okay, you seem a little confused. We've been doing the show every week, and I don't know, I've never seen you look so bewildered while we're doing the normal intro we do every week for the show. I I gotta be honest, who, who are you? I'm Jonathan Negroni, the host of Film Addiction, where we talk about the hugest and coolest films. You know this, Will, William, <laughs> William T. We, we've been doing this show for years. How could you forget? Okay, this seems very normal, except uh, Film Addiction, that, that doesn't ring a bell. Uh, well, I, I'm sure it does, because I'm the one who came up with the name for it. You've never let oh. me live that down, huh? Yeah. I can't imagine in what universe you would have come up with the name of a podcast that we hosted together. Okay. Uh, are, are you drunk? Have you hit your head? Should I call medical assistance? I don't understand what, what, what you're even talking about, Will. I just I feel like you're trying to sabotage our big episode where we're reviewing Petite Maman, the biggest okay. movie coming out in theaters this week. I don't know, Will. Well, it just seems like you've, you're in a whole different universe than me. I guess. Okay, so... Uh, I usually host a podcast with John Negroni called Cinemaholics. We talk about what, what? the biggest and best films hitting John. theaters and on streaming. What? Uh, John talks about how he's from the San Francisco Bay Area. Whoa, that's he, what? Wait, I'm Jonathan. Wait, wait, who called John? Though that's interesting. Uh, okay, that would save and a lot he, of time. And then he, he'll be like from the Pittsburgh area. He's a scallywag who ain't up to no good or something. He'll say some kind of weird intro and then introduce me and I say something like, howdy. Wait, hold on. In, in this universe, do you still, I mean, you still do your like podcast with Matt Serafini, right? Where you talk well, about all the true, Madagascar yeah. movies? Well, that's not right. No, no, no. We talk about, we're talking about Shrek. Madagascar. Shrek? Why would you talk about Shrek? Madagascar is the biggest DreamWorks movie of the decade like to this day they they do spin-offs like what do you wait shrek that only had one movie only had one movie yeah they never did a shrek sequel no one went out to see it they were and remember it lost to monsters inc for best picture i i I don't know what you're talking about on the podcast we discussed shrek 2 that's our theme this year shrek 2 you are from another universe oh boy you know this this strangely sounds almost kind of similar to a movie i just watched last week oh okay it was called Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's the newest Marvel movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, it, well, it's like the 27th Marvel. Do you have Marvel movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we have a movie that just came out this weekend that I saw called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. What? It's the uh, 28th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, that sounds a little bit like a comic book movie. I mean, if you want comic book movies, you need to go to DC. DC has all of the biggest well, and like most successful comic book movies. Okay, well, I mean, DC does have comic book movies, but they're at the moment, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of second fiddle to the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe. Second fiddle? You mean Batman and Superman? Second fiddle True. to, like, what? Did they... Okay, all right, yeah, I'm sure. It's, wake me up when you have, like, an Ant-Man movie. Okay. Okay. Well, we do have an Ant-Man. Several, or at least a wait, couple. Wait, 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 what? What? 
We have uh, at least two Ant-Man movies, along with some uh, appearances from Ant-Man and other movies. Well, I'm starting to get a little scared. Your universe sounds kind of nice, but it seems kind of scary, too. Should should I just let you go back to, like, where you came from? Uh, You know what? That that might be nice. Hmm. Okay, let me see if I can press a knob here, or a button here. It was nice talking to you. Can you tell, can you can you ask John, how, what, what's it like just being John instead of Jonathan? I, it, never mind, you should, probably shouldn't mess up with any like timelines or anything that could get weird. Like we learn in a lot of DC movies that are super successful. All, All right, right, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, right. see ya. Yeah, good talking to you. Will, you're just staring at the screen. Will, we need to start the show. What? We need to start Cinemaholics. Huh? Will, are you okay? You look like it, you're daydreaming or something. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I had a dream, and uh, you were there, and uh, well, I guess it was just uh, you. Okay. Well, I think you need to stop dreaming because this is a down to earth podcast. This is a grounded. We we don't get silly on this show. Cinema Hall. That's that is true. Yeah, I guess yeah. That, that's a fair point. All right. This well, is a, a no nonsense podcast, as it is described in the uh, yeah. iTunes descriptions. No nonsense conversations about the biggest. Well, I guess I guess we're just cutting to the intro. Welcome back to Cinemaholics, a major motion podcast where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online. But that's weird. Usually I say welcome once again, but I don't know something about what you just said. Will made me want to say welcome back. That's weird. I, hmm. I'm a little weirded out. Okay. Anyway, I'm John Negroni from San Francisco. Oh. and yeah, I'm the film uh. editor for the Young Folks, and uh, you're from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. True. Yeah, I have a random question for you though. Do you prefer to be called Jonathan? Jonathan. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. I made. I've been calling myself John since I was in the seventh grade. So. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah, sorry. That just a, just a question that came to mind. I don't know what you've been up to over at Collider, where you're a news and entertainment writer, but it's kind of weirding me out, Will. But okay. okay. Yeah. Um, this week, we're talking about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, a movie about multiverses, our second biggest one, our second big one, I guess, of 2022. Uh, we, we Real quick, before we start talking about the newest Marvel, which, of course, we do, we, we've, we talk about Marvel pretty often on the show. Will loves it. Will loves the Marvel movies, John said Am sarcastically. I, another multiverse? Yeah, another multiverse. That's funny. Uh, can you imagine if, like, we were in a multiverse right now? Anyway, oh uh, so there, there is another. Well, are there any other movies that came out this past week? Anything else? That, like, you know, because I know Happening is playing in some places. Petite Maman, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, is playing at two French films. Um, both of yeah. them. I haven't. So I'm about to finish Happening. I have a screener, and I'm I'm very much very much into it. Very very good. Petite Maman, wonderful movie. I've been trying to spread the word. For Petit Mamans, anybody I know in the Bay Area who's looking for something kind of new and fun, um, you know, that's not like super heavy. So, uh, yeah, what, 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 what are we looking at? Yeah, I mean, those are the two that I know about for sure. Um, I haven't had the chance to see Happening yet. I hope to see it soon. We're playing mm-hmm. it at the theater where I work. Uh, so I hope to see that at some point later this month. However, um, yeah, I have seen Petit Maman. I saw that last year at the Three Rivers film festival and i believe you saw it at tiff yeah if i recall correctly uh yeah lovely little movie um i mean i i kind of figured it was going to get overshadowed coming against the new mcu marvel movie but i mean if you can nestle some time i mean it's only 72 minutes if i recall correctly it's Mm -hmm. it's a really easy breezy watch um if you can squeeze that in Either before or after you see Doctor Strange, I would highly recommend you do so. Yeah, I agree. And look, if, if you're listening to us and you're like, uh, 
yeah, sorry, John, Will, you know, I'm a cinemaholic, but that doesn't mean I like French indie films, you know? Yeah, I want something a little bit different. Well, I would say like, The Bad Guys is still playing in theaters. And I know we already talked about The Bad Guys on the show, but it's been doing pretty well. Uh, it's box office actually well. I don't know if you saw. I mean, worldwide, it's coming up to $150 million, which is, you know, pretty good for a movie at its budget. And uh, also The Northman and Everything Everywhere All at Once. If, if you look at, like, what's playing right now and what's getting re-released, even as Doctor Strange is dominating a lot of screens now that it's hitting movie theaters, right? There are a lot of other... You have a lot of other choices. Now, I know um, <clears throat> Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is out there, too. And... I, I don't know. I, I have, I'm going to check to see how that's doing box office wise. Have you looked at the box office for Unbearable Weight lately? I have not. I, I don't think it's doing too hot. I imagine it isn't. I'm, gonna, I'm looking it up now because I haven't since we talked about it. Let's see. Um, it looks like it's only made 20 million worldwide. 20.8 million. It's really bad because it was playing in over 3000 theaters. They clearly had bigger expectations for this. Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I can't say I'm surprised per se, but I mean, it is, I mean, it's just kind of a disappointing turn of events given the film itself. And also the fact that people didn't really show up to see a original heady ish comedy starring think, the one and only Nicolas Cage. I think the word of mouth might've been a little tricky on it. Cause I know it got good reviews, but uh, there were people like me who were saying like, mm, yeah, it's okay. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think people were like super stoked about it, but um, I yeah, guess, I mean, mm-hmm. It still is sad to me that like I'm looking at Fantastic Beasts just to see how that's been doing. That's been in theaters for a few weeks now. Um, it played in over 4,200 theaters and it's made 363.7 million worldwide. I don't think it's going to make that much more now that it's been a month in theaters. So that's a lot. Um, I mean, it's been a month, I think, over since it was in the UK too, right? I, it might be like a three weeks in the US. I'd have to double check that. But yeah. Yeah. Most of that's international. 76% international. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like it, like we said before, it's kind of like a classic uh, South by Southwest or Sundance thing where people hype up a movie a little bit too much. Like, I mean... You're back on Unbearable not, Weight, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, with Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, I feel like it's it's not terrible. It's, it's just a little disappointing. It just never quite reaches mm-hmm. the heights that it should be. But for whatever reason, I don't know what was in there, um, you know, margaritas over at uh, South by, but they were really <laughs> uh, digging that film, which is nice. I mean, I'm not trying to like downplay their enthusiasm for it, but I do agree. I think when I've talked to people after the fact, they kind of have the same reaction of like, oh, yeah, it was like, it was fine, I guess. I mean, like, I, I guess I was just expecting something more. It has kind of a, a rudimentary plot with, you know, like kind of like an irony coating on it that I felt like they could have done a little bit more to make it weirder or, you know, a little bit more in tune to Nicolas Cage's sensibilities. And it just kind of seemed like it was more playing into the meme of Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage as we know him now. So, yeah, unfortunately, I just think it was a a fairly underwhelming film. No, I would like to see more movies like it from the studio system for sure. I'm 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 just kind of like glancing around because, you know, Fantastic Beasts, I mean, that is just... That is such a hit. Like, I know when the movie was coming out, people were like, ah, you know what? It's it's doing fine. It's like on par. But I mean, the movie's not going to make like much more than it is that it has. It said three hundred sixty three million, as I said, crime, uh, crimes of Grindelwald that made double that Um, crimes of Grindelwald made like six hundred and fifty four million worldwide. And then the first Fantastic Beast made over eight hundred million. So that's wow. Um 
I'm really curious if Warner Brothers is going to actually move forward with another movie at this point, because based on that diminishing returns, if they spend another what, like how much does it cost to make these movies, like $200 million after all the marketing costs and all the mayhem? I I just, I don't know. I don't know if the math is going to work out for them. We didn't see it. So, um, yeah, I mean, they also did like a ton of reshoots, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think. No, I don't think like an, an amount that's, I mean, I mean, they did a lot of reshoots, but I feel like that's a pretty typical expense for movies at this size. Ooh, sure. But I felt like they did more than your average film. It's kind of hard to say at this point because it reshoots is hard to are, say, you know, I mean, common. some, yeah. some movies do like extensive reshoots and you can't even tell like big True. budget stuff. Uh, uh, speaking of films with a lot of reshoots, uh, there's a film we're reviewing this week. Well, hold on. I was going to get to the Northmen. I just okay, want to yeah, sure. make sure because I just want the listeners to kind of get a check in because the summer's kicking off and we had a very interesting spring. The Northman. What do you what do you how do you think that movie is done? Because we we were kind of not we were kind of negative about it. Right. We were like, is this going to like be a leggy movie? Are people going to like well, catch up with it? Negative in terms of like we were cynical about it doing well, but we That's were very what I'm saying. positive on the film, to be sure. We were very um, positive on the film. I think it's not doing too hot but i i want to say it's not doing like awful at the same time Um, yeah it it is a little hard to say because you know the domestic international split is almost 50 50 i mean it's pretty close and that's that's a good sign for a movie like this um it's at 51.5 million worldwide it's budget anywhere between 70 and 90 million estimated so i mean yeah it's losing money Uh, i don't think there's any way around that but i i guess it's like not like the gargantuan flop that i think we were fearing right i was worried that it was going to crap out at like 28 million worldwide or something like that which would be horrific but i mean it made a little bit more than that at least so yeah it's a strange time for the box office because you have a lot of different kinds of movies lots of um kind of big movies right like the ones we just talked about a lot of these are very f- interesting flicks and you're you're not starved for choices but i do get the sense i don't know if you've been to any like bigger theaters recently um since dr strange came out i imagine that like most theaters in san francisco that are not like the indie theaters are just like wall-to-wall dr strange and so it might be super hard for a lot of these movies to get any screens any times or anything like that unless it's like a 24 screen amc or something sure but I do kind of wonder if some of these movies are maybe give it, getting a boost because of Doctor Strange doing so well that, like, you know, they're probably selling out certain shows. So maybe 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 a movie like Northmen is getting a boost because, like, they can't get into Doctor Strange, but they wanted to see Northmen. It's like, well, we're here. Might as well see something. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see someone. I, I joked about this on Twitter, but I would love to see someone in, like, full Doctor Strange garb, like, quietly sitting to watch Gaspar Noé's Vortex. <laughs> are you gonna watch that vortex i hope so i wanted to see it today i found out rather last minute that it's playing near me oh. uh, i came out in new york uh i think just new york the week prior i mm-hmm. uh, did really well and then it got a uh expansion this past week i thought it was gonna be a little bit later in the month so uh i'll see you as soon as i can for sure awesome um but I've heard it's fantastic. I mean, um, I know you're not the biggest Gaspar Noé fan, but I've heard it's a, a quite a departure from his previous films. I don't know if you've heard well, much more than that. I but. haven't heard anything. I haven't watched a trailer. I thought Climax was, you know, a, a good, respectable film. Not not my exact cup of tea. Better sure. than Love. Um, and I haven't okay, seen I haven't a lot seen of his other features. To be fair, um, yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance. I, it's not the kind of movie, he's not the kind of director I would go see in a theater. 
because I just know that I'll be uncomfortable uh, in public watching one of these things. Um, um, well, this one, uh, it, it's it's kind of more like a more. I don't know. I don't want to know anything. I'm just yeah. going to go in with my expectations based on what I've seen previously, which is that he's a very weird filmmaker. He does things in a very strange way. Uh, I, I guess I just, uh, I don't have high expectations. I hope they are dashed uh, in a good way. Uh, the last thing I was going to mention too, everything, everywhere, all at once, big box office success. I mean, that one of the, one of the best success stories of the year, I think, especially for indie movies, right? Because this movie has made 45 million worldwide. Almost all of that is domestic, super low budget of a movie, even though it's such a spectacle of a movie, $25 million budget. It's clearly successful. They've been rolling it out to more theaters as time has gone on. That is a word of mouth. That's a leggy movie. So we can end on some good news for the spring. Um, the spring has seen some movies like that yeah. and RRR just totally blast off. And people love it so much. They tell their friends right. to see it and it made money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would hope, you know, more people are feeling encouraged to go see everything everywhere all at once. It's like you said, one of the best, uh, the movie, not the concept. Sure. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like if you have the chance to see one gigantic multiverse movie in theaters right now, that would be my pick, but that's not the same here. Anything about Dr. Strange <laughs> in the multiverse of madness, which we'll have a long, hearty, and maybe even contentious conversation about. I don't know. We'll in a matter see. of minutes. In yeah. a matter of, well, a matter of seconds. I think it's time to get into it. Uh, this is the newest Marvel movie. Uh, how many Marvel movies have there been now? 28? I believe this is the 28th film. Okay. If you're not counting like Venom and no, like no. all We're those talking, like, yeah. Yeah. Because, Which, you know, Venom right. did, there was Venom content in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he had a cameo, but it's not a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. It's a right. Sony superhero yeah. universe movie. It's the right? same as like, you don't count like the, other. yeah, you don't count like the X-Men movies. You don't count like Sam Raimi's uh, Spider-Man's. Yeah. You don't count uh, the Andrew Garfield ones, even though those are all now interwoven. No, nah, we're counting, into we the, start with Iron Man. We go through like the Avengers yep. phases. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. and it also includes stuff like from the Netflix shows and like the Hulu stuff that they sort of did like in the twenty teens, but most yeah, of those shows well, never really connected, right? I mean, they had offhand yeah, references, but that was about it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Dare, Disney, with the exception of Daredevil, right? Well, the Disney Plus ones do connect, mm -hmm. but the like, like you said, like Daredevil and the Netflix ones, and then a few of the Hulu ones, and was there, were there a few on Freeform as well? And yeah, like ABC. yeah, yeah. There's like um, Runaways. There, yeah, sure. uh, Cloak and Dagger. I think was the Freeform one or CW yeah. or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, which, I, I mean, yeah, they're they're all like loosely connected, but not directly connected outside of right. the Disney Plus ones. They were trying to sort of mimic the Arrowverse formula, right? They that was the Greg Berlanti. You know, they had Arrow in 2010, 2011, and then that was connecting with like Flash, and that was connecting with Legends of Tomorrow, and that was a big success for the CW and. Um, they even would like bring in Supergirl from CBS and then eventually Supergirl went to CW because, you know, so Marvel, I think, was going for that kind of strategy. I think one of the best decisions they have made sort of in the lead up to the post Avengers Endgame era of their movies was the Disney Plus content, which I know for you is probably not like, a you know, you probably don't have a lot of like a, a lot of opinions on that, right? Because you haven't really have watched any watched of the it. Disney Plus shows, yeah. But you at least yeah, probably have would an impression I? of. <laughs> well, you probably have an impression though of how those shows have kind of landed with people, right? And how they've sort of, I don't know. I think maybe invigorated at least some sort of like Marvel like 
um, I don't know, placation. What do you? What you're you're cringing? I I feel like it's been real hit and miss. Like it seems like people liked to an extent WandaVision. Uh, at least there were a lot of people talking about it. That was I think the first you're underselling one. how much people liked WandaVision. I think WandaVision was a straight I, up hit. I think people liked in the beginning. I think it got it kind of split people as it went along. Is that I fair think, to say? I think it, some people were a little bit like, ah, oh, you know, but that was a that was a water cooler show. That was a show that, yeah, it didn't it didn't stick the landing for everybody, but it was like especially just for like every casual people, that was something that made them really like Scarlet Witch. Sure. Like Wanda for the first time, you know. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I just I it seemed like the conversation around it shifted as it with critics, but on. general audiences, I think, were way more forgiving. They were just like, oh, cool. That was a cool show. And there were a lot so. of people who were like, ah, oh, you know, people like me, people like you, if you had seen it, who were kind of like, ah, you know, I just it could it could have ended better. Um, but it did seem like people were generally favorable on Loki. Loki's the bigger critical summer. success, not as big as not as big a like m- massive success as WandaVision, like not as much pop culture power. But that was yeah. a show that like the critics liked, audiences liked, like that was that was like a pretty warm favorite. And then the rest seemed to be either middling or just outright flops. Like Captain America Winter Soldier seems to be a See, flop. I wouldn't even I wouldn't call that a flop. I would call okay. it like a buzzy show that sucked. Like and that people were okay. really disappointed in. Um, but All people right. watched it and people were kind of like, people were into it for a few weeks and then it, yeah, it, it sort of bled viewers. I wouldn't say it's a flop though, because it did do super well. And then Hawkeye, Hawkeye was like, definitely not a flop. Cause I think Hawkeye also did pretty well, but it was also it? sort of like, ah, you know, that was okay. It got like middling sure. reviews, right? I guess so. Yeah. People I mean, it just seemed like it, it, it just vaporized in the wind after it came out. Right. Yeah. Spider-Man that's way home. Yeah. Like that was just a show that like. Once people were talking about Moon Knight, which also seems to be uh, more panned than acclaimed. Yes. Uh, as far as at least people in it my has circles. Its fans. Yeah. Moon sure. Knight has its fans. I'm not one of them. I think Moon Knight is I, disastrously disappointing because the, Moon Knight should be my favorite out of all these. It just shit. And we, we did mention What If. I think What If was kind of just like a curiosity sort of thing. It was kind of fun. People who actually checked it out, I think generally thought it was fun. But, well, like, you know, it wasn't a big yeah. deal. I mean, uh, that was the one I was most interested in. And then I saw the animation style. I was like, nope, not I thought the animation that. style was fine. I, you know, it, right. it, I think it worked for the format. And it, I, I thought it was nice to have, like, some context for some of the stuff that has, happens in Doctor Strange. I was actually kind of impressed with that. They actually included some references there. But, uh, yeah. But, no, with, uh, with Moon Knight that like that has everything i love in terms of like i love oscar isaac i love like the mummy i love like swashbuckling adventure stories and like all of that cool stuff and then weaving in moon knight is really cool character but that show has like the propulsion of like a model t that's been broken for five years like it is just a slow agonizing show with really just awkward characters who i just did not really love with the exception of like one or two it has like weird stuff and it. it has stuff in it where like you know i don't want to give anything away for you i guess because i don't think you know i don't think you're ever going to watch it but you know there's like a for people who are listening at least there's a character who shows up like halfway through and i'm just like where's this show you know where it's kind of becoming a little bit more fun a little bit more like wacky even ethan hawk one of our great actors is just kind of just sleepwalking through this thing and I know people, it has its fans, though. 
we're like, no, I really like this. I think it's really great. But I think I think it's going to be like a lot of these other Marvel things where like in a couple of months, they're never going to think about it again. Sure. Yeah. I was actually talking uh, to um, Chris Sheridan, uh, speaking of Ian Ogre, Totes Ogre. Um, oh, wait. Dear friend of the uh, podcast. I mean, yeah, this is the first time we're talking about Ian Ogre, Totes Ogre. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course it is. You're yeah. confusing me. Well, um, uh, sorry. Uh yeah, I was talking to Chris Sheridan, my co-host on A Ogre to its Ogre, and he was saying about how much he liked Moon Knight, and I didn't say it in a critical way, just kind of just like being open. I was like, I'll be honest, you're the first person I've seen really go bad for this show. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, this has been largely panned on like my timelines. And he's like, whoa, what? Like he, he just hadn't seen this like, uh, you know, this like uh, negativity directed towards the show oh yeah and i was kind of surprised i mean like i i from everywhere i've seen like on twitter and on like my facebook and then like you said critically i feel like it's been pretty like middling to disappointed with the show like there's a few people like yeah it's not that bad but i feel like it's been generally not well received yeah i haven't seen like like people being like wow this show is awesome i haven't seen that from a single person yeah i've just seen people say it's like kind of corny and i've like, heard people kind of yeah i've heard people be like oh this is kind of fun it's like different there, there have been like podcasts I've listened to where it's like one person on the panel will be like, no, no, I like it. And the other people are like, uh, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty mid. And, you know, the people I know, you know, just like the people I know in my life who've seen it, who are Marvel fans, like none of them have liked it. Like they've the ones I know who've even tried watching it have just been like, yeah, this is nah. And I've, I'm certainly one of those people. So I don't know. Uh, but those are all the ones of aired, right? I don't we haven't missed any. If we're... Uh, we, I don't think we missed any. Yeah, okay. but it, I still say that I think that the the Disney Plus thing, first of all, it kept the Marvel like cinematic universe like kind of in pop culture during the like the harshest phase of the pandemic, right? When we, everything was locked down and we didn't really have Marvel movies coming to theaters for quite a while, right? It was a while before Black Widow finally came out. And then I think Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and Eternals were kind of wet blankets in terms of like making noise as like I don't, I don't think any of those movies had anywhere near the same sort of, maybe Shang-Chi almost did the same sort of like cultural resonance as like WandaVision and Loki. You know, I think Spider-Man No Way Home has been like the only Marvel thing lately, you know, outside of the Disney Plus stuff that people seem to really be into. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly I think Black Widow underperformed. Uh, that was also kind of a... Uh marred by them trying to put it on disney plus with that mulan strategy where it was like 30 bucks you could rent it um thing mm-hmm. and then eternals just like Oof. i think it was just an outright flop right like yeah, uh, yeah critically commercially box office wise however you want to look at it was not well received um but yeah like spider-man's kind of like the return i guess for the movies so i think song chi did pretty well like commercially i think people were favorable on it like i don't know if there's anyone that's like it's our favorite mcu movie but i would say yeah I mean, it was it was just kind of like uh, yeah i did okay I, I think it was like one of those movies that it made some money it wasn't a huge hit it wasn't a huge success like it didn't really launch this character in a way that you know some of the other solo marvel films have it was something sure. a little bit more like the first thor you know something like that where people were like oh yeah this is cool like you know not mm-hmm. not a movie that i think would generate you know, huge, uh, huge box office returns. I guess. I don't know. I think it did better than you're uh, saying, but um, I mean, we I can would look say, up the box office. I'm pretty sure the box office was not that great. I thought it did pretty well. I don't know. I mean, 
I thought that was like the first time when people were like, okay, movies are kind of coming back. And then Eternals didn't do well. And they were like, I don't know. And then Spider-Man was like, all right, yeah. Well, actually, before that, Venom. They made 432 worldwide, which that's not very good for a Marvel film. Like, I mean, is that not? I mean, it was better than I think Black Widow, maybe, but I mean, it wasn't also simultaneous streaming like Black Widow was on Disney Plus. Um, so, like, the Black Widow thing is kind of hard to measure because a lot of people bought that uh, through Disney Plus, right? Now, yeah, because I'm looking at Black Widow here, it's 379. Um, okay. and, and yeah, because I think like, uh, like what, what did the first Ant-Man make? Right. First Ant-Man, I think. Did that like, like 500 that. million or something? Something like that, which you, you have to imagine that a movie called Ant-Man. Yeah. 519, 519 million. Yeah. You have Paul Rudd kind of leading it, but I don't know. I, I think that Shang-Chi making that much less in a movie, like six, seven years, you know, six years after, I, I think that that feels like a little bit of a step down. Um, I mean, certainly if we're going to compare it to something like the first Doctor Strange, which I think did like pretty like 700 million, maybe or like maybe higher. Uh, uh, Obviously, that's like a pre pandemic thing. But so was uh, Ant-Man. Yeah, 677 million. But I do think that, you know, you can say that. But then what about Free Guy? Free Guy came out around the same time as Shang-Chi. And that's, you know, same pandemic circumstances. That was like a non-IP Ryan Reynolds movie made 331 million, you know, then that didn't have like the Marvel machine behind it. Sure. So I don't know. I kind of I kind of look at these box office totals like I I, I think that we are kind of moving away from being able to blame the pandemic for this stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not blaming the pandemic. I'm just kind of trying to contextualize it where like it's hard. Like last year was really hard to like compare and contrast like it's like what is a hit what what like what what's the studio really looking for like obviously like warner brothers was like more preoccupied with getting hbo max out there than yeah. to the point where they uh you know decimated their box office basically yeah. um but i mean i would say as far as the films themselves quality wise i, I would say certainly song chi was the best of the 2011 mcu films. so that's not really saying much in my opinion i Sorry, don't think 20, it was 21. better than spider-man no way home um, because I think Spider-Man I think No Way Home, better, but I know we disagree. We disagree. And, and I think the main reason is because Shang-Chi has a killer first half. I mean, the first half of Shang-Chi right. is incredibly good. The second half, I think, is incredibly boring and not as good. Um, I, I think it's mostly the last act. I think the second the second act's fine. The third act is where it just kind of gets once, muddled and boring. Once they get past like the uh, the sequence in where they're like in the building and they're fighting on like the rafters and everything, like everything after that, I think it just loses all of its energy. It's like, and that's more than the third act. I think that that's like right at the midpoint almost. But yeah, yeah I, I, it, it kind of picks up a little bit after that when we get uh, kind of more of like Song Chi's backstory and stuff like that. But I agree, like once we kind of get to like the the final set piece. Like when it just becomes like a wonky CG palooza, that's yeah. where I was like totally checked out. Like I could not care. Whereas like, unlike you, I with Spider-Man No Way Home, I think that that was like a blast the entire way. You know, I think it also suffered from some of the same special effects issues as Shang-Chi. Um, although I guess not as, not as badly. I didn't notice the special uh, effects being as bad in that in Spider-Man I, as I did in Shang-Chi and Doctor Strange, by the way, which we should get into soon. I think Shang-Chi had more of like, the last act had issues with CG. The whole thing with yes. Spider-Man is that it just looked like it was made in a tube, which it was because it was made 
in the studios during the pandemic, but like I, it always felt like it was artificial to me in a way that like at least Song Chi, when we spent some time in like San Francisco at the beginning and stuff, had some like life to it. I felt like I know that bus scene was also filmed in a studio, but it felt a little bit more vibrant to me than anything in Spider Man No Way Home. But a, I know I'm the unpopular opinion on that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I think I think the reason why like because if I had to just hold the action up. I would say that, yeah, like you're going to get better action in Shang-Chi. You're going to get like three or four scenes, you know, like that opening prologue scene. You're going to get the bus scene. You're going to you're getting a lot of really good like action, cinema, uh, choreography and everything like that compared to Spider-Man No Way Home. But I think that the character of Spider-Man, the villains of Spider-Man and like just the whole the whole fun of it, like the whole like journey and uh, where the story goes, like all of that, I think, is way more fun and exciting of a movie. And I think that Yes, Tom Holland is like so fun to watch. Whereas with Shang-Chi, I, I just didn't love the characters as much. I, I just was very like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think it reminded, it reminds me of like Captain Marvel. Or, like my favorite things about Captain Marvel had very, very little to do with the character of Captain Marvel. Cause she was just kind of like, sure. Showing too much emotions. We guess like, like, I don't know there, that character. I don't think had a lot of energy, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say that, um, with Spider-Man, I, I do think the third act is pretty easily the best of that film. And some of it almost redeems the film for me, but not enough. In my not opinion. enough. But uh, okay. that, that's fine because we're going to talk about <laughs> Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. In the Multiverse of Madness. Not to be confused with John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, I, no. love, I love the play on the title. As soon as I saw them announce that, I was like, okay. And Sam Raimi's directing this? Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, this is the second Doctor Strange movie. It's not, it kind of is a sequel to the first Doctor Strange, or at least it's trying to be. It's sort of like continuing some of the, the story threads, one or two of the story threads at least, uh, maybe three from the first Doctor Strange, like Christine Palmer, played by Rachel McAdams, is back. We have, you know, we're still kind of playing around with like Wong as the Sorcerer Supreme instead of Stephen Strange. Uh, we also have Baron Mordo, played by she would tell Ejiofor, coming back in here. His his whole thing from that movie kind of continues. I think that they've mostly abandoned though uh, their their plans for like doing full on Doctor Strange with Baron Mordo, any of that stuff. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, it, it is kind of a sequel to that movie. But really, this is like the next kind of like event marvel film it's not an avengers film uh, but it is ta- it's kind of doing what captain america civil war did to an extent where it's sort of using the marquee character to bring in sort of a crossover so captain america civil war had a lot of other heroes like a lot of other avengers kind of coming in there but it was supposed to really be a captain america movie this is like halfway in between it's like halfway between like a real sequel and like a captain america civil war sequel if that makes sense because you don't have like a ton of like marvel characters coming in for the majority of this movie you kind of have some stuff toward the end which we won't get into but uh really like this is like dr strange and scarlet witch you know it's not ant-man and the wasp it's dr strange and scarlet witch that's that's this movie uh i'm gonna say off the bat that you know we're we're gonna do our best not to spoil things we're gonna do our best to kind of you know keep this thing a little bit spoiler free uh, sure. but we, we might say some things i haven't seen the trailer still so you know i'll I'll let you oh, make boy. decisions like if we if there's stuff that shows up in the trailer maybe you can you know give something away there because uh i guess so. i don't know i i still don't really get why you're so amped to see this trailer i, I think curious. it's just a fine trailer but you're okay. like you're more excited to see the trailer yeah than the, than movie, the movie which i still don't get 
Because I was not, I, I think like I had a bad impression of like this movie going in. I had a little bit of like, a, mm, based on like what I'm hearing about what this movie's going to be. And like I got spoiled, like I didn't see the trailer, but I got spoiled on like the big cameo from the trailer. And I was like, I was nervous because I think I don't, I don't really like all this multiverse stuff. I really don't. Like I think Marvel going the multiverse route especially after watching this movie, I think it's just not working for me. No. I guess I guess it's working for other people, but I, just can, can I, right off the bat, can I just say, when you do the multiverse thing, here's the problem. Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, Nothing could you matters. elaborate on this? Okay, Nothing yeah, That's why I figured that you were going to suggest, yeah. Because right? that's the tricky thing, is that it's really hard to establish stakes in a multiverse. Yes. Because you can just kind of just be like, well, that doesn't exist. That doesn't count. Like that yeah, doesn't exist. That, that character was another died, world. whatever. Right. They can just bring that character back from another universe. It, it, and mm. I think what if started to worry me the most about this, I think Loki, it didn't really go all the way with it. Cause it just sort of introduced it, like kind of qu- slowly introduced the possibilities. And I think in a fun way, but then with what if that's when we started to be like, okay, this is just giving Marvel permission to do anything. And I think that like when you take some of those limitations away, you get something really out of control. And so that's my big criticism with this movie with multiverses in general. And I'm very nervous about this creative decision, but I guess, uh, did you have a thought on that before we go through the plot? I mean, I get why they're going in this route. I mean, it makes sense. Not only as far as like creatively, they've gotten so big. That's like, where can they really go? but like all other universes, like they expanded their own universe so far. That's like, yeah. what's the next step? The multiverse. It makes sense. Also, it's like coming off of, um, Spider-Man into Spider-Verse, which was such a huge hit and basically outshined any of the, uh, MCU movies. I would say with maybe the exception of, uh, black Panther in 2018, uh, like, you know, though any of any recent Marvel movie has been overshadowed creatively and, uh, you know, in terms of just being like a really solid, good film with that film. And I, I feel like Marvel's maybe a little bitter about that. I'm sure like this was in the plan before that, but like, it feels like, I don't know. I still get the vibe from no way home that they're like kind of bitter that Spider-Verse kind of beat them to the punch in that respect. But I also just think like, yeah, I mean, I think multiverse also offers the possibility of like, you can do stuff like Venom can technically get into this universe because like he's from another universe and like theoretically you could like include the x-men from the original x-men movies like you could bring hugh jackman back if you wanted to not that he's in this movie but like theoretically you could and you could do all these other things and you know maybe if a time came like i don't even know if they're even thinking about including like the dc canon but theoretically there's like a multiverse (laughs) like that i guess could happen i don't know i mean uh, it's not like out of the depths of possibility, I guess, at this point, but it's not likely to happen to be sure. But I mean, creatively speaking, yeah, it is like, or sorry, at least corporately speaking, it is, uh, it, it makes sense why they're going this direction. Now, creatively speaking, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. Like, is there a way you can really ground the movie enough to have like palatable stakes? Can you like even make a film, uh, with all the baggage that's going to be thrown into these things. And it feels like the the wear and tear of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness suggests that this might be getting close to the actual breaking point of where these movies can really go at this point. I have to agree because this is getting way too complicated. It really is. Because, to, like, for example, if I was going to do, like, an X-Men thing in the MCU, I do not want 
them to just take references and just be like, all right, we'll just take the X-Men stuff and we'll, that's it. That's, that's, that's the big thing. And it's like, no, I mean, I think what's been key, more key to Marvel's success with a lot of people has been build your own thing and like kind of create it from the ground up, put the work in, make us care. Like that I think is what's going by the wayside. The more and more I'm seeing this multiverse thing taking shape. And so that, that's the thing. Like, I think that we're going to get fewer things like guardians of the galaxy where they're, taking more risks they're trying to like build new sort of like uh build new franchises within their mega franchise that are good on the merits not just good because you remember it and i think this movie scares me it, people are like this is a scary movie because no no no, it scares me for other reasons uh, uh, but, yeah yeah i mean personally speaking i feel like i've been kind of checked out with mcu after endgame like endgame not a film that I like love, but it, I think it is better than I ultimately expected. And I think it does have a sense of finality to it to where it's like, okay, like, well then why are we really going back? Like, I know like they right. can't end it with end game cause it's a huge cash cow and they're going to run this thing, uh, as long as fast they can go. But it's like, well, what's going to justify keep coming back. And it seems like the multiverse thing is really where they're pushing that because it's like, that's like it can just expand this universe in so many big ways. But it's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. I mean, I, I get like they want to do this and it's like it's easy to see the p- appeal of it. And certainly in like from a box office standpoint, it's like, well, theoretically, if we can include this person, this person, this person, like would that, you know, entice you? Would that make you feel like we're doing something you haven't seen before? And yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's really tricky. And I feel like phase four has easily been the weakest Marvel or MCU phase just because it hasn't really answered that core question. I think of like, what can we really do to justify continuing the MCU after Endgame? I think, yeah, I, I have to agree, but I think for me where I come at it slightly differently is because, well, I mean, where I come from at it, basically the same is that, yeah, with the end game, I was just sort of like, I don't need more. I'm good. I think I've looked at the rest of this stuff. Like I don't have, I don't get sad at the idea of the MCU just kind of like fizzling out because I thought Endgame was so good that it's like, okay, you know, that it has happened eventually. And I think that they, that to me is like the great place of like, this was where the MCU kind of died um, and kind of finished. But I've been sort of surprised in a good way by like, they've been almost doing like these fun little epilogue stories that I've enjoyed. I enjoyed WandaVision and Loki as fun epilogues, you know, like little extra stories. The Spider-Man movies have been like that for me. And these other kind of things where you just, you just sense that they're trying to build new stuff without, you know, doing the the same level of work, trying to build Shang-Chi, trying to do a new Black Widow, trying to do Eternals and yeah, it's just to me, it's feeling a little bit like I, I guess I care a little bit less than maybe some other people do. But I know a lot of people uh, are very different from us, and they are they are still sure they are still fully into this universe, and it, it doesn't matter what we say. Uh, mm-hmm. So power to them, you know. I think that I mean, you know, yeah. I, I would. Th- I mean, for me, the hope would be like you know, I, I think Eternals in theory was good because it's like okay what if we had like a prestige director kind of have her add her stamp to something like this has been so producer driven over the years like they've tried occasionally to include more of a directorial influence in like fits and starts certainly i think guardians of the galaxy is one of the better examples black panther is one of the better examples but then with uh, ant-man you know so they fired Edgar Wright, right? They <laughs> so they lost. Wright. They lost him, yeah. and then with uh, you, you really their big successes have been like the Russo brothers, and those are just those are like TV guys. Those are guys right. who They're, came in and yeah, 
they're they're hiring a lot of like journeyman directors to kind of come in, and they're not yeah. all bad. Like Peyton Reed's the a Russo, fine director, sure, yeah. sure, and, and Joe Johnson, and but like with at least with the Russo brothers, I think that they weren't just journeymen. I th- I think that they were interesting because they were the community guys. They were guys who were like super like they love genre, they love playing with genre. They're they're kind of like this. I, I think they're they're fun weirdos uh in terms of like how their style meshed with the marvel formula and i think that is slightly different but then captain marvel you have anna Bowden and ryan fleck who had basically no stamp whatsoever on that movie right oh well i would disagree because i wrote a piece about this at cinemaholics.com but i get what you mean in in theory (laughs) i have to i i disagree i i think that like yeah they just got steamrolled with captain marvel sure i think they're yeah the issue was that like i think they couldn't really uh define themselves as much because they didn't have the action expertise so it's like they kind of let like the vfx and the second even outside of that stuff i think i think that those are those are both directors who are much better at writing characters and writing story than what we really got with captain marvel like i was saying before i i think that 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 is a story arc that is just so amateur and and that tells me that those directors did not have that much input on how everything came about and it was like ruled by the vfx i I mean i think that issue was more prominent for me in black widow which is a film that's like trying to tackle like very serious stuff like kate shortland was like trying to kind of incorporate some heavier moodier stakes into that like something a little bit more gritty and pronounced but because it's like the mcu and because she doesn't really have like the action experience it like felt like there was like a real give and pull in that film between like something like you know a little bit more mature and thoughtful and character-based versus like the mcu formula which was so counteractive to that i felt like that was way more detrimental film for that reason than captain marvel but i think they have similar problems in in that respect i don't know i think black widow at least has some fun stuff in it kind of like shang chi like there's there's stuff in that movie that i think that they kind of nailed but whatever sure, that's what i feel about uh captain marvel so we can agree disagree. <laughs> there we go there sure. we go yeah. uh so i guess we've been we've been trying not it's like we were we, it's like we don't want to talk about dr strange and multiverse of madness oh i'd be happy um, to i mean let's do yeah. it uh Directed by Sam Raimi, written by Michael Waldron. This had extensive reshoots. I mean, they they kind of had to rework this thing because it was originally supposed to come out before Spider-Man No Way Home. I believe the character America Chavez in this movie, who um, I forget the actor's name, Sochil Gomez, uh, she was supposed to be like in Spider-Man No Way Home, apparently, um, kind of doing what the Ned character does in that movie in terms of like the magic and stuff. But they kind of had to retool it. They kind of had to be like, yeah, actually, no, Doctor Strange is going to come out after. Uh, because I think the original release date for this was like last, uh, yeah, it was 2021. And I think it was like early, early 2021 or maybe late 2021. I can't remember. That said, um, I think that this movie, <sighs> this movie kind of from the get go had me in terms of like, oh, this is fun because it kind of starts in media res. We kind of have Doctor Strange like running around uh, like a different version of Doctor Strange. We have the America Chavez character. We have a plot where basically she can go like between the multiverses. And I was like, well, that's cool. They're just kind of like diving into it. Right. But then we sort of get into like, OK, Doctor Strange has to go to Christine's wedding. And they try to do this thing where hey, remember Rachel McAdams in this movie? Like, it was in these movies. Apparently, she's really, really important to Doctor Strange. Apparently, their love story is, like, this really tragic one that you should feel sad about. Yeah. And you you know what was indicative of how forced that felt? Literally, Will, when we were in the screening, I was with with my partner, and she looked up, and she was just like, wait, Rachel McAdams? This is in these movies? Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, that's what I felt yeah. about uh, Chewie Tell Edgy Afford, which I, I rewatched the first one. I was like, well, it's kind of good I did because I had totally forgotten Chewie Tell Edgy Afford was in that first Doctor Strange film. And it feels like a lot of their like, conflict happened off camera like there's like an end credits teaser where he's like oh yeah i'm threatening to be bad but yeah, then like yeah. it feels like there was like a second we Doctor never strange saw film. him again <laughs> right but it felt like there was like a second doctor strange film like its own like dark world sequel it just like didn't happen or like happened off camera right and it's like we're like and this feels like it's like kind of like a belated like third chapter, even though it's technically the second sequel to right Doctor uh, Strange the first Civil one. War, right? Because yeah, because because Doctor Strange at one point in this movie is sort of like, oh yeah, he and I are like arch rivals or whatever, or arch nemesis, right. And I'm like, how do you do you know? Because like well, yeah, apparently yeah. all that stuff already happened, we didn't see it. And it's also like the whole idea of the film is more like, is Doctor Strange happy with like what he did? And it's like it's kind of like more about like. He's made the choice to be Doctor Strange, but at the sacrifice of, right. you know, having his a foundational life, life his yeah. personal life and all this stuff. And it's like, was this really the right choice? And WandaVision, certain, or sorry, Wanda Scarlet Witch was like, kind of, she's in like a similar position where it's like she wants to have that like personal life that she was kind of unable to have due to being Scarlet Witch. And it's like she's like trying to like scour the multiverse to kind of make this world for herself. And it's, yeah, I mean, like certainly that's like it's this weird thing where it's like yeah it feels like we're, we're missing a, a doctor strange sequel and there's this other like thing happened that all all like on the small screen which is fine i guess but it's like you know for a movie it's kind of feels like we're stretching the rubber band a little bit because it's like we, there's like all this stuff that needs to be established then all this exposition needs to be dumped in the process and it just becomes a, a, it, well, it definitely it, it has some wear and tear on Here's it. the thing, though, Will, because I feel like, because I, I, I was going to ask you about this. This movie, definitely, it's a sequel to WandaVision. I'd say it's more of a sequel to WandaVision than it is a sequel to Doctor Strange, the first one. It's Because this movie cares way more about Scarlet Witch and her troubles and, like, all that stuff than it does, like, Doctor Strange's whole... Like, we get offhand stuff about Doctor Strange. It's, it's like, such a minute part of the movie. It's, like, the thing with the watch. It's, like, I just feel so slapdash compared to... We get heavy emotional moments with Scarlet Witch. We get, like, really just, like, horrific sequences with her character. And so I was curious, though, because you didn't watch WandaVision. Were you... How were you able to connect the dots here? Was it... Did it throw you oh. off, or how'd it go? No, not really. I mean, I just asked my friends. I was, like... What do I need to know about WandaVision before I go into uh, okay, this? And they okay. just basically said she's grieving the loss of Vision. She had kids in the, uh, the the world she created. She enslaved the town. She wants to have those kids back. And I was like, oh, that's all I need to know. So see, I, I went into this knowing what I thought I needed that, to know. That might actually have made you more favorable then. Because I think there's a gap between WandaVision and this movie that is like super indefensible because if you had watched wandavision you know if you if you read the synopsis you might be of like you know I, I, i'm gonna say something here that actually that's like kind of minor spoilery it gets brought up in like the first act okay so it's not like a third act kind of thing but in the first act we find out like scarlet witch is essentially the villain of this movie right which I was, I didn't think, I didn't know they were really doing. Like I watched, like I didn't watch the trailer, so I don't know if this trailer gives that away or whatever. But uh, uh, basically, it, it's it would be hard to watch the trailer and not get that takeaway. Like okay. you'd have to be like dense, I think, to not feel like that's where it's going. Right. So here, here's the thing: WandaVision, The whole thing with that is that she enslaves the town, right? 
but then she sacrifices like those kids like she loses those kids in order to free the people of the town and there's even this like super cringe moment where like photon you know played by Teona paris is like they'll never know what you did for them and it's like trying to hail wand up as this hero but then the show kind of ends where she has that dark old thing and she's like trying to get the kids back there's a huge gap there because then we go from that wanda to the wanda of this movie which is such a drastic departure. And like, I get it. They're trying to say that the Darkhold kind of like corrupted her, but that is so weak. That is such a weak storytelling move because how do you go from she's willing to sacrifice her kids to free a bunch of people she enslaved to what she does in this movie? And like, just trying to wave that away with like a book made her do it is so like, that to me is not like the better. I think Marvel's much better than that. It just is. Like it has been like that is such weak characterization. I do not understand how they mess that up so badly. It tells me that they rush this thing that like they are struggling to like really connect these things in a way that makes sense. And so that to me is probably my biggest criticism is that I think they do Scarlet. I think the Scarlet Witch we get in this movie is fun. And I think there's like really cool stuff in here, really good horror stuff in here. But when it comes to like character, this movie just like whiffs. So that's my main criticism of this movie. And also, um, I was tired. It was too long. It felt long, sure. and I was not into this movie. Sorry. Um. So I will say, I mean, <clears throat> I walked out of this being like, I'm so glad I didn't watch WandaVision. I felt good. <laughs> I was like, I did the good thing. I did the right thing, I think. Um. So I, I, don't, I mean, I felt great about that, personally. But uh, WandaVision yeah, is good, I, actually, I like WandaVision a lot. Well, I'll never know. Probably. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm glad you got something out of it. I'm glad everyone else that liked it got something out of it. I'll never know what it's like, probably. Um, but I mean, I will say I certainly came out of this, uh, maybe not overwhelmingly more positive than you, but certainly much more positive than you seem to be. You're, you're very down on this film. And it's kind of uncharacteristic of me to be like, yeah, let's prop up the Marvel movie, considering how down I've been on all the the recent ones but i think this is probably the my favorite of the phase four films mainly because to my surprise it is more of a sam raimi film than i expected going into this even down to like you said that kind of like quality where it feels like it it could like fall apart any moment that feels very true to me to like the original evil dead where it is like a man out of his element fighting supernatural entities an evil witch and an evil book. It's like, it makes sense to me on like a paper, like on paper, it makes sense to me why Kevin Feige, when they lost Scott Derrickson was like, let's just get Sam Raimi. Why not? And like, it's like it, the core idea is like fundamentally Sam Raimi, but it also makes sense to me that like, if it wasn't someone like experienced like Sam Raimi, someone who has worked the blockbuster system, a, an actual genre filmmaker, I feel like this movie would not work for me at all. And I don't think it would have worked in general, but having him involved and giving him enough freedom to make a Sam Raimi movie, even with all the Marvel stuff that's thrown into it, I think makes it work far better than it would have under most other circumstances. I think, I think, so here's the thing. I love Sam Raimi. Yeah, the, the listeners know this. I love Evil Dead. I love Army of Darkness. Uh, I even went to bat for Oz the Great and Powerful. Not a good movie, but I, I showed up. I was in the theater. I saw it. His last movie that he made, by the way, almost a decade yeah, ago. Yeah, nine years ago. Yeah. Been a long time. And he's always been a director that I just, I, I super respect and I, I love most of his movies. So, yeah, and I know you go to bat for Spider-Man 3, you know, come hell or yeah. high water. 
with this movie, movie. there is a super fun, awesome Sam Raimi movie in this. There is. There, there are moments in this movie where, like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take, you know, demon cape over anything we got in Black Widow or Shang Chi or Eternals. Um, I think, though, I just can't get past how the really cool Sam Raimi movie has to suffer alongside the extremely pedantic and pedestrian Marvel mishmash trash movie, where. It's just searching for a book we don't care about because another book we don't care about. And they're like, we have all these multiverses. It's madness. We go to one multiverse, basically. One. And then we go to another one. And it's kind of cool, but we're barely there. And then the, the multiverse we go to and the characters we get, there's there's something that happens like with a bunch of Marvel stuff, a bunch of MCU stuff. And I just thought it was so forced. It was so like, you know, and I'm not going to give anything away here, but I just I had that moment, I think, that a lot of people must have had a lot earlier with these Marvel movies where I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, can we just stop like this is just and like especially when like the crowd starts cheering and it's very muted, you know, it was just like 10 people just like trying to carry the rest of the audience and clapping and everything. And I'm just like, what are you clapping for? Oh, yeah. Like, what no, are you, what, I, are you, what uh, is yeah. this to you? Like, I don't get it for the like cameo scene, like cameo the scene that happens uh <laughs> midway through the movie um yeah there was like people in my audience who were like it didn't feel like they were actually excited about the cameos in question it just felt like they were clapping because like i need people to know i know these people i need people to know like that i know these people i know them i know them i know them right it's like the red letter media like i clapped i yeah, saw i, know I saw the is. thing i clapped <laughs> I, I saw the thing i knew when i clapped yeah that's it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. trains they're train seals at this point i'm sorry well, be, no i don't like, want to be hard yeah. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having enthusiasm and having fun and like i just i just have to point out that i'm just not that person i'm not fun i guess i i just I don't get the same thing out of it that those people do. I'm glad I mean, do. I'm glad it makes people happy. Like I don't want to I'm not looking down yeah. on anybody, but I, I mean yeah, I just that's not I, to me lasting power. I mean, you know, in, in their defense, I got very giddy when Bruce Campbell showed up, which is, you know, a, a sure. trademark of uh a Sam Raimi he had film. To be there. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the best yeah. parts of the movie. Uh I didn't see the old mobile. Did you see that? His car? No. I never yeah, I, I was looking for it. I didn't see it, unfortunately, but um I know that's like always there. Like there are trademarks of Raimi stuff, like his little cameos. Oh yeah, in there. I mean they're direct. There's there's direct like imagery, direct references. There's tons of like Sam Raimi stuff in this. Sure, yeah, and you know I got excited for those moments. So sure. maybe I'm a hypocrite for you know making fun of. But these I'm not going to shout fans, and clap but... when I see a hand bursting from the ground. Like I mean that's I guess that's, that's right. the difference. I'm just going to be like, yes, yeah. you know, yeah. I know I I smile and I, I perk up on my seat. I'm like, all right. You know, I think I think the thing that just irks me is just like here's a character. It's just like the presence of a character character makes people like yes we're gonna get movies now with that and i'm just like well yeah okay. i mean what bugs me is that marvel knows that they have these things and they like, yeah. train like they like pause the film yes. to be like you know uh, three uh, seconds or like 30 seconds are like cold on their face and people are like i have to clap now that's it's like they they know this is gonna happen if it was a genuine response like if for whatever reason they like didn't know that uh, a certain famous uh, long-standing X-Men character showed up in this movie and they were like genuinely like shocked. And it was like, I don't know how to feel about this. I need to like clap. Like that'd be one thing, but I feel like that is not the case. Like, I feel like there's like, okay, this is the moment where I clap. We're all going to do right. it. We got to do it. It's the same thing yeah. that hasn't aged well, like force awakens where like 
the chessboard shows up on the Millennium Falcon and people lost their minds. And I remember sitting there and just being like, it's just the chess thing from the first Star Wars. Like, right. I, 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 there's something that some people want from movies I don't understand. Like, and I just me, don't want myself. I don't understand it. And for me, I found that to be way more grating about Spider-Man No Way Home. Because that's like See, that I whole thought, movie. I thought Spider-Man did a better job with it. I, I pushed See, back I there a little bit. I think they did it way worse. I think they did it way worse. Because this movie, they really? at least like designated to one what? scene. Uh, In this movie, they designated to like one scene. It's like, okay, get out of the system. And then the scene after that, Raimi's like, okay, I, I let you have your uh, cake. Let me have my thing. And then that made it fun. But I like think Raimi what saves it in Spider-Man is that in No Way Home is that like the actors are so charismatic and they're having so much fun doing it that even if you don't know the references, only, the performances are what save it for me. There are only two actors, I would argue, in that movie that return. They're really having fun with it. Everyone else just seems checked out and like for the page as I'd far say, as like, the returning I cameras. Know. I feel like Tobey Maguire is just kind of like, ah, uh, hey. <laughs> OK, so we can talk about I guess it's the I think uh, restrictions point, are off. For I, spoilers. Think, okay. I think with Spider-Man No Way Home, I think so, that ship sailed a long time ago. I mean, with Willem Dafoe and Andrew Garfield, like I think they're in it and I think mm-hmm. they commit and I think their performances actually elevate the film. As far as just being like gimmicky cameos, actually giving like thoughtful yes. uh, performances that like actually better in like uh, Garfield's case, it like betters his films because it like it gives like an arc that wasn't in that second film. Yeah, and then with uh or with uh yeah Willem Dafoe, it's like okay like it's clear like he's like a great one he's of our chewing. great actors. Yeah, and he's like having fun, and it's like okay like. I think my issue with that is that it's relying so heavily on the buildup from those, like it's cripping uh, Sam Raimi's films to like add stakes. And to me, that's just cynical. Like I I feel like at least with this movie, it's just like, yeah, I guess I'm no, nowhere near as cynical on that move because I think that they did it. At least they do a good job with it. If they did a bad job with it, I'd be right there with you. But I guess we just got to disagree then. And so it's like, I I thought they did a bad job personally. I think the last act of that's fine when they actually get to be Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, like, and uh, Tom Holland, actually pounding around that's like those are the best scenes outside of Willem Dafoe's performance in that film for me but I I just felt like that movie relied so heavily on like the goodwill established from the fans from other films without really doing the work itself to be a a well-rounded film that I just I don't know I I found it to be a way more depressing and cringy film than this film but it seems like you just had those feelings that I had for Spider-Man. Yeah, with we're this in, film. yeah, we have like inverted opinions here. So may, maybe the listeners are going to like be similarly divided. You real, know? Some are going to um, be on your side, some on my side. I don't know. It's a real multiverse of madness going on here, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, you know, like I was watching Dan Merle's review um, of this movie and he said something that I think applies to that cringe factor. That's sort of like uh, Marvel's forcing this or trying so hard um he mentioned he had the same kind of reaction and i did too to an extent like with the america gomez or the america chavez character played by sochil gomez who i thought i thought the actor you know did a fine job i thought the character was extremely lackluster like I, the character is very underwritten very underwritten, probably exactly. like said the product of the reshoots kind of this yes. like conflicting but uh, yeah i think that's probably the biggest film the biggest problem with this film is that her she, character is severely yeah. underserviced she gets a couple of moments where i was just like okay now this character is interesting like there's a like, she's like showing dr strange the ropes of the multiverse and like they're having a little bit of a back and forth you can tell that they're trying to make her the next kind of like you know tony stark and tom holland kind of like mentor protege sort of thing and i was like okay you know you can do that sure i mean dr strange is basically robert you know t- the Tony Stark character anyway, because I think like Iron Man essentially was 
like the comics version of Iron Man is very different from how Robert Downey Jr. did it. Robert Downey Jr. kind of took like the snarky sarcasm of Doctor Strange from the comics. So it makes sense that they would transition into letting the Doctor Strange kind of fill that role a little bit more, but they can't have Tom Holland be in that anymore. So they kind of make this new character. I think to what I was referencing before, the the whole thing where they are trying to like basically be like, ah, check it out. She's wearing a pride flag on her jacket. Like, ah, check it out. She has two moms. We did something special. We, we pandered. I, I mean, we, you know, I think there was something there where it was just like, there's a way to do it where it's like, yeah, it's, it's great. Like, you know, being able to like bring in, you know, more representation, the way Marvel did it in that scene of just like, see, look, look, that, scene, it, that reminds me of like yeah. the cameo stuff. I'm just like, Oh mm. my gosh. Like be more cool, be more chill when you do these things. Like it's not that you can't do these things. It's just, I don't know. They're just raising so yeah. much attention to it. Um, <clears throat> that scene though is funny. Cause it's just like, she just like steps on a thing. It's like, oh, oh time for my exposition, my backstory. I guess we're going to do this now. Oh, yeah. like how this comes. That whole it's thing like, oh. is like, here's like a memory thing. Like, what, right. What is this? Right. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> I mean, just stay there. This. yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was funny to me as far as like, kind of like how lazily it was just like, oh yeah, I guess we're just going to do this now. Why not? Right. And then he does it too. And it's like the most, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And it's like, yes, Christine Palmer, she's the linchpin of the Marvel universe. They did a similar thing with what if actually, because in what if they have a whole episode of like, Oh, what if Christine Palmer had died in the car accident and Dr. Strange had lost her, he would become evil Dr. Strange. And I was kind of, I, I remember being like, he cared about her that much because if you watch that first Dr. Strange movie, he's very mean to her. And <laughs> like, they are not that close. I mean, I don't know. They, they seem just sort um, of like they were sort of romantic yeah. coworkers once. Now they're just kind of like, they care well, about each other, but like, he, mm-hmm. yeah. That's why I feel like it needed its own. Like, it feels like there's like a dark world sequel that just like didn't happen. Like that's like kind of like, like, like dark world, like Thor, like has like issues with Loki and then like has like, relationship trouble with uh natalie portman's jane character and it felt like there was like kind of like a sequel like that with dr strange it just like we didn't see like Maybe. he had like a similar situation with chuyatel edgeford and rachel mcadams and it just felt like okay like well if you don't show us that stuff i don't i, I mean i'll just have to assume it happened but you know like it's it, it's kind of hard to establish most emotional stakes for the character if we just don't really know this stuff and just assume it happened we should talk about Scarlet Witch. I mean, we've been talking a lot, but I think that like some of the best stuff in this movie have to do with Wanda and Scarlet Witch. Some of the worst things in this movie have to do with Scarlet Witch. I find her motivation in this movie to be super inconsistent and messy. Like I kind of mentioned it before, the whole thing with the book. And then it, it is playing into that trope, you know, of like mothers becoming monsters. And I think that like, there's a way to do that for sure. Like, I'm not saying like you can't have that in a movie, but it's a trope for a reason. And it, and it, there was something about like the lengths she was going to go to, to like steal kids. And I, I don't know, there was something kind of icky about it. I thought, um, I mean, they kind of play it up with the whole, like, she's, she's evil. She, she does things that are horrific. And I thought she was one of the few characters in this who I was like, whenever she was on screen, I was like, okay, good. This is, this is going to be a part of the movie that I enjoy probably because I don't know. I I just feel like Elizabeth Olsen is just kind of having fun. She's kind of like, take it, kicking it up and trying to be a little bit extra with it. Whereas with Dr. Strange in this, he's okay. I don't, I feel like people just don't talk about the Benedict Cumberbatch performance in these movies as much because i just feel like it's very sometimes it's very sleepy i think my favorite doctor strange that we've ever gotten 
there there are two like part of spider-man no way home where he's just kind of having he's just like goofing you know not taking it seriously i liked that mode where he's like wearing the winter jacket and he's like i'm dr strange what are you gonna do and then also the kind of infinity war dr strange who he's just he's a jackass like he's just like yeah when he and tony stark just don't get along that to me is like that's that's interesting that's like a dr strange i think has a bit of a spark to him the way he fights thanos and i'm like this is cool this is dr strange to me but in this movie it's just a lot of him running around and him just being like, we got to do this. We got to go here. We got to, we got to go. And it, I, I don't know th- that Dr. Strange, I thought was just very like placid. And I don't know. It was not a, I didn't think it was a great performance, but I don't know if I'm alone in that. Um, I don't think it's like his best work or anything. I, I think he's just kind of fine in the role. I, I agree. I think the only time his performance really stood out to me uh, to date was probably in infinity war, just cause that's probably the one where he was given the most, uh, most to do outside of, uh, no way home and his own movie. Um, but I like, like I said before, I like that in this movie, they just kind of designate him to be the Ash Williams character. Like the guy in the first evil dead, who's just kind of just like caught in the whirlwind of this perpetual cycle of madness. And like I said, I, I do wish there was more actual shenanigans with the multiverse. Like there's like one scene right. we basically get where it's like, okay, like, well, you showed us all this stuff. Why don't we just go back to one of those ones? Those all seem fun. They seem like, way what? more fun. Than, right. It, there was another thing, too, because like the multiverse we end up in, it's very inconsistent because we're supposed to believe. OK, so I, I, I guess this is going to be like sort of a not a, a big spoiler or anything, but I am going to kind of describe this main multiverse a little bit. But basically, we have a version of Wanda in this multiverse that is basically the Westview version where it's like the house and everything, and it looks just like WandaVision, the clothes. But then the rest of this multiverse is totally different from that. And that made no sense to me at all because she's like showing up. She has the powers of Wanda. I'm like, well, did, did Westview happen here too? How does she have kids? Like, where do those kids come from? Like, why, why does this Wanda exist? And why did, sorry, stuff like that. I was just like, this feels like they didn't really they probably thought it through, but they were just like, ah, nobody's going to notice that. Right. And maybe that's the case. Maybe, maybe no one's going to care except for me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's enough information given there that I didn't really concern myself much about it, but I think the reason why I'm more favorable on this film than you is just because I wasn't really looking at it through the lens of like, how does this fit into the Marvel cinematic universe? How does it connect to these characters? I'm looking at it purely as a Sam Raimi film, just like, okay, what is Sam Raimi actually adding to the film? My concern going into it was like, okay, like Sam Raimi's a director for hire, a gun for hire here, just kind of doing what's expected film. There'll be like one or two scenes where we kind of get the, the Raimi-ness of it and that'll be it. And I think broadly speaking, it's more of a Raimi film than I anticipated. So that that kind of added to my elation. Certainly, I think, as we've suggested, the last act or so feels like it's most inspired by his style. There's like a, a musical fight that I think is just pure bliss. Uh, yeah, there's cool. a character uh, that's introduced that we that's introduced at the beginning that we kind of like get connected to at the end where it's like, okay, now we're talking. Yeah. And it's like, that's fun. But I think even throughout the film, there is a lot of raminess. Like I said, the core story is like true to what we expect from the early Sam Raimi. I think even something like the Kanju fight at the beginning of the film, where we see like, you know, the, the reaction shots from people, we see the brighter color palette. We see like the wacky facial expressions from the monster and Dr. Strange. We see like the whooshing camera when the Cape comes to save America. Yeah, and yeah. we get like the, the plucking sound when something very violent happens. And it's like, okay, like 
you know, it's it's like fits and starts, but we are seeing Sam Raimi and like and there's like overlays like during like a like exposition scene. There's like the Dutch angles throughout the film. There are like fun transition scenes like there there are like maybe superficial things, but there are like things throughout the film that, OK, like clearly Sam Raimi got to influence the story. It's not just like kind of yeah, yeah. a yes man for Kevin Feige. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, part of that is me, like you said, like it's been, uh, 10 years almost since we've gotten a Sam Raimi directed film. It's been longer than that since we've gotten like a true blue Sam Raimi film with drag me to hell. So part of me is just like getting in my Cheetos bag and just trying to get the dust of Sam Raimi into my <laughs> mouth and being like, there's stuff, there's still Cheetos in here. There's still Cheetos, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, but it is, I, I do think those directorial influences just make a better experience for me than what we've gotten from the last few Marvel movies where like we either get something like uh, Song Chi or No Way Home or like Black Widow where it's like you can kind of see some of the directory influence but it mostly just feels like a Marvel film or we get Eternals where it's like this is a Chloe Zhao film but it's a mess and this is like it's a mess but it is still a Sam Raimi film it's more enjoyable because he's a genre filmmaker and he has fun with these characters and he knows what he's doing here as opposed to, I think, Chloe Zhao, who just kind of felt like in the weeds a bit, like it just felt like she didn't really know what she was ultimately going to do with these characters. And it's unfortunate. But mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, it, it's it's a mixed bag. It's like it's a it's more average than good, in my opinion. But it felt refreshing to me at a time when I was pretty checked out with the MCU. So for that, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I don't disagree with you much there. I, I honestly, most of what you said, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I just sort of like come out of like the outcome for me. I just, I feel a little bit more soured on it, especially as time has gone by. Uh, I'd say that, yeah, like he hasn't, he hasn't been on the movie scene much, but you know, he did work on Ash versus Evil Dead, the show, you know, so. The- yeah, the pilot for that is fantastic. I mean, I, I need to catch up on that show. The first season is fun, but yeah, he, he did great work in the pilot. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, three seasons, I think they did for that, I want to say. And um, I, I never got into it, but I heard it was really, really fun. So I, I'm a little bit I'm, I'm a little bit cynical at this point about the MCU in general. I'm I have I'm, I'm hoping that Thor Love and Thunder, you know, because I loved Thor Ragnarok and I, I, sure. I haven't seen the trailer, but I heard the trailer is pretty fun. And, you know, uh, who knows what's going to happen to that Black Panther Wakanda Forever movie? I have no idea what they're doing there. Um but hey, we're yeah, getting that no this idea. year too. So, yeah, there's reason to feel okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. We yeah, we're just in a weird position where like I think all the stuff you're feeling was how I felt getting out of Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah, you're and trying the stuff to coach you felt, me. You're just like John. Just don't worry, yeah. it'll be okay. <laughs> I've lived this experience before. I'm your America Chavez. Um, <laughs> Um, and like, you know, like because I had had that cynical experience with the last two to four Marvel films, I walked into this with low expectations and I felt, you know, not like overwhelmed. Like, it's not like, oh man, this is like a return to form or anything, but you know, it's like, okay, this is a step up from what I've gotten in my, I got more out of this one than what I had gotten out of the last, uh, few phase four Marvel films. So, you know, not a ringing endorsement certainly, but I mean, I'm just happy to see Sam back. Really. That's, that's what it comes down to. I'm just happy to see Sam Raimi back. I'll take what I can get. I love the guy. He's probably one of my favorite filmmakers and to see him playing around with a $200 million budget. Like, is this the best version of this? <laughs> certainly not in another universe. I'm sure there's a far better version of this film. It probably starred Bruce Campbell in the nineties, but what can you do? <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think for what it is, it's fine. I think there's certainly a worse version that could have been out there to that extent. 
yeah, I definitely agree to you to quite an extent. I think it, it is really nice to just have an MCU movie directed by a filmmaker who actually got a lot of what he wanted into the movie. <laughs> I think there are a lot of filmmakers they've tried, like you said, Chloe Zhao, they, they tried to like put their own stamp on it. They try to do things, but I think similarly to Chloe Zhao, to some extent, like he's working around the, the limitations, the constraints that I think the producers at Kevin Feige are probably putting on him. We don't know for sure, obviously, but yeah, I think that he, I think he made the best out of a, a tricky spot he was put in as a director. And so I, I got to applaud him far more than I applaud a lot of the other people involved in this. Um, but yeah, that's not to say that I don't think this is very much an enjoyable movie. I, I think it's enjoyable. I just, uh, I had a hard time getting through it myself. Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game though. Will, because, uh, I do want to talk about box office stuff, but first, Let's see what the critics have to say about this one. We have a lot of critics who weighed in. We have 327 reviews counted so far. What do you think the Rotten Tomato score is as of the day we are recording? Um, so it seems like people are lower on it. Uh, it seems like folks are walking out of it disappointed when I'm pleasantly surprised. So I'm going to say, I don't think it's like overwhelmingly bad. I don't even think it's rotten. I think it's probably like a 78%. You're in the zone. Not bad. 75%, which, yeah, that is a bit lower for one of these like kind of big Marvel movies, right? Usually the Marvel movies are in the 80s, um, so it's a little bit lower. Right? But yeah, you're, you're right. It's not like, oh, okay, it's terrible. Uh, this movie has its fans so far. What about audience score? We have 10,000 plus verified ratings. That's a lot. What do you, th- what do you, uh, what do you think audiences are saying? Well, that's a good question because I, I feel like the audience response has been a little all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think most people are fairly positive on it. I'm going to say 84%. 87%. You're also in the, you're only a few off. So, you know, very well done. I think that you're kind of, you know, you're, you've been, you, you're getting close, getting close. Let's see if you can spot the cinema score. The folks in Vegas. Okay. Oh, I got to oh. uh, say, I was spoiled on this one. Oh, because okay. On Twitter. Someone pointed out that I guess this is the lowest MCU cinema score, one of the lowest MCU MCU cinema scores. So I think this it, I heard it was like a B plus or a B. It, um, it is a B plus, and that is the second worst MCU cinema score ever. Yeah, because usually the MCU films get like A, A plus, A minus. Um, I think uh, Eternals is still the lowest, though. I think Eternals was, uh, oh gosh. I thought... Uh, I thought they said Incredible Hulk was the lowest. Mm, I don't know if uh, maybe I don't know if they counted Incredible Hulk actually, because uh, I think that one's probably low, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, actually, no, Incredible Hulk was a minus. Oh wow! Well, yeah. right. I don't know why I heard that, but um, yeah, that's strange. Uh, Eternals so, was a B though. All right. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was gonna say I knew it was like <laughs> they're like I don't know about this. I gotta really uh put on my critical hat and give this one a b <laughs> i mean that's the thing sometimes movies that people are like this is terrible get great cinema scores i mean what i think one of the most famous examples is like star trek into darkness got like an a cinema score um that's not a terrible film in my opinion but not I a terrible film but it's certainly not one that has, people you know people hate that movie right for sure yeah but so, yeah i mean yeah it I, happens the other way around too yeah i mean marvel movies are very like fleeting as we've suggested before like i think they're very much like making you feel elated in the moment and then you know afterwards you're just like okay that was i guess that was fine uh and i feel like that plays 
typically into cinema scores favor because they usually ask them like immediately after right it's not like they're like we'll give you a week to think your process sure. your thoughts like it's like sure. yeah so like with a marvel movie if they get like everything they want like in no way home or whatever it's just like hey that was what i wanted that's what i wanted you know and they can their criticisms will come later, but like in the moment, they're like <laughs> yeah. pressing the button. They're like, "This is what I wanted." So yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're rolling the slot machine. A A A. All right, so um, we gotta stop making fun of Las Vegas when we do this. All right, so letterbox well, rating. I, I would say keep going, but I'm actually gonna be flying through Las Vegas uh, hey. for a certain upcoming thing involving you. So yeah, I I so better not Alex. make some enemies while I'm down there. I might might not have my kneecaps when I fly to. Uh, <laughs> to the california you like show up in the yeah the airport and there's like a crew of people with bats and they're the cinema score we heard what you said about the cinema score (laughs) yeah uh all right you took a real gamble coming out here so dr strange the multiverse of madness on letterboxd we have two hundred twenty-three thousand watches what do you think the average rating is on letterboxd right now uh i think it's somewhere between 3.2 and 3.4 so i'm gonna say 3.3 it's actually 3.5, a okay. little bit higher. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking at like, all right, what are friends of the show saying? And, you know, most people I'm seeing on here are threes. I'm seeing threes. I'm seeing lots of twos. Uh, Kimber Myers gave it a three, for example, friend of the show. Charlie Ridgely gave it four, though. He was one of the highest I saw. Um, and then, yeah, Allie Johnson gave it two and a half. And uh, Chris Evangelista gave it two and a half. I'm seeing a bunch of two and a half. Ryan Oliver gave it two and a half. I mean... Yeah, not not everybody was super into it, so uh, it's quite a quite an eclectic case. Oh, I see, Willash, and you did a review. The most maddening MCU entry, maybe ever, or no? Is that uh, that's somebody else's? I, I clicked say, yours, me. and it like followed to somebody else. No, this is yours. The best yeah. MCU movie in three years by default. <laughs> All right, that's true. In my opinion, could use more multiverse shenanigans. Okay, there I think I said that. Yeah, I think I said that in the review, in our actual Basically. audio review. I yeah, think, yeah. yeah. You're very, you're, um, if not consistent, yeah. Um, yeah. Box office-wise, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be the biggest domestic earner of the summer. I, I'm on record of, I've, I've been doing like the summer movie wager thing with a bunch of friends and coworkers. And I put, I, I a lot of people put Doctor Strange as number one um, in terms of like making the most domestically. Me and some others, we put Jurassic World Dominion. I think that's going to, I oh, think so that's going to make more. You've really kind of you're convinced now that Jurassic World is going to be number I kinda, one. I kind of yeah, because I know we talked about it with Dan Merle right on the summer movie preview thing. I gave it more thought, and I I think Dominion is going to be the one. I think Dominion is going to you know not, I don't think it's going to be like a huge distance. I think Dominion is just going to have like more uh, time. I guess not time uh, like literal time, but I think that it's just going to. I think it's going to bring more people. I think Doctor Strange, this movie is going to be a little bit limited because of the horror stuff and i think it's going to have a really splashy couple of weeks it's at 185 domestic now i think it's going to finish up at around like 400 whereas i think dominion is probably going to make over 400 million i for me i i can see where you're coming from i've thought about this myself i think it's really going to come down to the quality of the film if it's yeah what people want and people really love it like they did with that first Jurassic world, then I think it's going to absolutely be the highest grossing film of the summer. If it's a disappointment or people are like, I, you know, I just, I just didn't get it. I think it's going to be, uh, underperforming compared to Dr. Strange or Thor, the dark world. It's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really, I think kind of come down the quality for this one. I, I think that's the case. Um, yeah, you're right. Cause yeah, yeah. I, I, I just have a feeling. And again, I, I don't watch the trailers. I'm just sort of going off my gut. My gut is telling me that dominion, is going to do okay critically. It's probably going to be in the same zone, probably going to be in the 70s. And 
I think more people are going to be more interested because they haven't gotten a Jurassic Park movie in four years. And the last one was right. kind of like, yeah, the last one wasn't that great to, for a lot of people, but it had cool moments. And I think this is the one that I think this as they're marketing it is the bigger sequel to the first Jurassic World. And I think people are probably mm-hmm. going to respond well to the marketing. And I do think that they are dumping a lot of money into the marketing for this. So I yes. just have a feeling that's going to that's going to help it a lot. I uh, also think yeah. didn't we talk about this, too? I think that a lot of people are going to be like. Oh, I heard Doctor Strange 2 isn't that great. Maybe I'll just wait sure. for it on Disney+. Plus. And I think there is a little bit of that going on there. I mean, I think this, the thing that's really going to tip in Jurassic World's favor is that with a movie like the, like in the summer box office, I think it really comes down to like, what are you going to give somebody that they have seen before, but also you have never seen before? And this it's like, it's going to be the quote unquote, like definitive final chapter of the Jurassic park franchise and it's the old cast getting to meet the new cast and it's like yeah, yeah these are two things i know but i haven't seen them interact together um but I, I think that comes down to how much do people really love these jurassic world movies i really don't know i feel like people love the original jurassic park which might certainly play in this movie's favor but i don't know if they love the jurassic world films enough to like i think i think push the, it to number one those movies did well enough for that people i think it's i think it, it's just people want something different than superheroes i really do I think that people are looking at it and being like another Jurassic Park movie with even more stuff and more dinosaurs and characters from those movies that I like. And it's not it's not Marvel. It's not DC. I think people really want that right now. And so I think that Jurassic I think it's going to do a lot better. Yeah. The only thing yeah. that I think could like mm-hmm. supersede that maybe is like I won't be shocked if Lightyear ends up beating both of them. I wouldn't be shocked maybe. if Lightyear beats Doctor Strange because sure. I just I just have a feeling that this movie is going to have not as much not as many likes to work with i think top gun mavericks it's coming out in a couple of weeks and i think that's gonna you know come in and and kind of take in some of that crowd that's old enough to appreciate dr strange and the multiverse of madness i want to say so we'll have to see though I, anything could happen yeah i mean top gun maverick got a really warm response from cinema con they premiered it, it there i'm seeing uh, it I don't know tomorrow yeah yeah uh and i don't I'm know how... men on wednesday i can't wait for that in a lot of movies in this week supporting, um, supporting my girl jesse buck yeah I'm, i i've heard well that movie i've heard all over the thing uh over all over the map as i haven't as, heard like, anything about men so okay oh but i know men um uh, i bet you do <laughs> <laughs> nice. um but yeah yeah i mean uh i don't expect top gun to be like a top five but it could I, I certainly think it's going to be like top six or seven yeah yeah i think um, i i think i ended up having it at number six Something like yeah. that. Maybe. Yeah. Because I think Minions, I had at number five. I, I have to double that check. That would be it's my. I, I, yeah. That's my realm where I'm at. Like, I feel yeah. like Minions is really going to be like a like a four or five. Yeah. Uh, I think I, cause I, had, on, I had Thor yeah. Love and Thunder at four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I had Minions and then I had Top right. Gun and Nope. So that's that's kind of yeah. how I think it's going to pan. But hey, again, anything. I, I think uh, that DC thing is going to do a little bit better than Nope. But I, I think it's certainly I have DC. That, I have uh, DC on there like right under Nope. Um, and I'm wondering if Black Phone is going to like come in and totally upset that, but I don't know. I think I had that in my number ten spot because I think that's going to like Elvis above it. I think Elvis is going to edge it out. I do. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Elvis looks wild. Uh, I, there's a clip that's going around from that film. It's like <laughs> there. Oh wow, it's Baz, there, La- Baz Luhrmann. You know how I feel about him. You know but, what I mean, he does. The, now, I, I, so there were people who put. Uh, there was one person who put Elvis as their number one of the summer. Uh, that's crazy in our, in our pool. And that is crazy. That was one of that I'm was sorry. one of the boldest picks. I mean, sure. hats off to them. If, if they guess right, I mean, 
they just they were like this thing was going to do bigger than bohemian rhapsody so all right next week on the show yeah. I, we, we forgot to say there are a couple of netflix movies that came out this past weekend not a lot else um because we mentioned the stuff in theaters but if you were looking for something on streaming there is the new marmaduke you could you could watch that uh owen you wilson could. I mean, and or no sorry pete davidson and jk yeah, simmons I mean, voice characters. you could you could do a bunch of things you, you, you could, could learn a- how to ride a unicycle yeah i was about to say you could I ride mean- a bicycle but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh there's also a long for the ride uh directed by sofia alvarez uh novel based on a novel kate bosworth annie mcdowell i know nothing else about it um but as in terms of next week uh, we act, we also have another big kind of another big Netflix movie called Senior Year, starring Rebel Wilson comedy. Um, that's going to be coming out. Um, Sam Richardson, uh, one of my best friends who I've never met, is going to be in that movie. And then a couple other a couple other streaming things because there's a uh, Sneakerella, the Disney Plus uh, movie that I judging by your reaction, you have no idea what that is. Oh <laughs> no, I I remember this. Oh, now. you remember this? this? Okay, is, okay, okay. Yeah, I remember sorry. people are like what is this when they premiered the trailer uh so i don't know there's also firestarter which again we've gotten a lot of conflicting stuff about this that it's it at first apparently was going to be like simultaneously streaming on peacock now it's like no it's going to be in theaters i'm still seeing though reports of like that it will be on peacock at the same i have no idea what's going on i thought it was a it's a dual release i think it's uh in theaters and on peacock unless they pulled think so but i keep seeing like conflicting (laughs) we're gonna find out (laughs) i i think it's on it's gonna be on peacock but they're kind of trying to downplay that i'm upset with you look i'm upset with peacock right now because i canceled saved by the bell season two they're dead to me uh for the foreseeable future and they don't know how they don't know how to make decisions over there at peacock um Say by the bell, one, we, of, one of the best comedies of the recent years. Yeah, I know you are certainly uh, quite a fan. I never watched it myself, so I can't talk about that's it. That's why I got canceled. They're like, if we sure. can't even win over Will Ashton, what are we doing? I, I mean, I will say without exaggeration, hearing that it got canceled was the only time I had heard anyone other than you talk about this show. <laughs> Gosh, that's because your uh, timeline is a mess. But, sure. um, no, it is. Um, but I, what are we talking about next week? I think we're yeah. talking about On the Count of Three. The Gerard Carmichael movie with Christopher oh, Abbott. Talk, oh, that comes out. Yeah, that wow, is okay. going to be. I think it's already. It might already be out in a couple of theaters, and I think they're expanding it. Um, okay, yeah, I'd love to talk about that movie. Yeah, that's from Annapurna, and I'd love to revisit that one with you. Uh, we could. We could also talk about Pasheet Maman and Happening because um, we kind of mentioned it in the show. But if we want to jump into uh, those, I'm not as interested yeah, I mean, in Firestarter or Senior Year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of give or take uh, Firestarter. I, I have no real interest in Senior Year. Um, but I know, I mean, we could bring on Corey Woodruff to talk about on the count of three. I don't He's, know who that is. Oh, oh, wait, is this? Am, oh, God, am I in the wrong universe again? What are you talking about, Will? Wrong oh, universe? No, I gotta get, I gotta get going. I gotta uh, get going. Yeah, I would love to talk about on the count of three. Um, I'd love to rewatch it too if I could get a chance. But even if we don't, um, I think that'd be worth talking about. Uh, I don't think I'll be able to rewatch Petit Milan, but again, I I remember that sure. movie so easily i mean like i won't have an issue there i would love to talk about uh vortex if you can see that next week no thanks and uh, then we have uh happening um which uh, you know that's a tough movie to watch but it's an important movie considering current events you know um, that's a french film that takes place in the 50s and uh, i'd love to have somebody on to talk about that movie maybe um do something kind of i think that'd be a really great 
uh, bonus episode. I think so. So we should look yeah. into that. And uh, listeners, yeah. as always, write in if you have any other suggestions. But that's kind of where our heads are at for next week. Uh, but yeah, if you want to hit us up, uh, please do. Our email is in the show notes, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can find us on social media, Twitter, always DM us. We're, we, our DMs are open on there. And of course, don't forget to support us on Patreon if you haven't already or check out our merch page. All that info is in the show notes. We really appreciate all the support. We'll be back next week for a bunch of movies, it looks like. And until then, we'll see you all on the next one from the Internet California. I'm John Agroni. And for Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Lashin. See you.